if you're in a really densely populated area and 4G is really slow because it's been split amongst a lot of people, sometimes if you go into your settings and manually go down to a 3G, it'll be way faster than 4G. Magic. Yeah, exactly. Like like what you said, it was magic. Magic. You're just talking wizard to talk. You may as well have just gone hocusy pokeyus Dumbledore, whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You were a lot fancy. You could have done better than that. I was trying to do Harry Potter based one and I forgot. I should just do the Lord of the Rings one where you just get a beard, you stand on a tower and go, shit about the party, lot of body whitey. And then things happen and it doesn't make any sense, but it's fine. Everyone rolls with it. Do you remember a lot of Gandalf just like rubbing his beard and going, and rubbing walls and then the walls light up. <laughs> oh yeah, but, but do you remember they had like, they had the they had the storm off where Gandalf was on the mountain and he's like shoot a body bloody body and then Sar- Saruman is on his mountain going shoot a body wadi 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 and like it's I don't remember this at all it's remember when they're trying to cross the mountain and then Saruman oh, sends yeah, storms their way yeah can you hear can you can you hear anything on my mic I can hear you unfortunately yeah. <laughs> Aside from that, because there's a guy, my next door neighbor is inflating a kiddie's pool because it's like it's like 26 degrees in London right now. So can you just hear him going? <gasps> no. <laughs> no, he's <laughs> no, he's got a he's got um electronic thing. But he did, oh, the thing yeah. is that ki- this chap doesn't have any kids, and he's just got a walk by earlier, <laughs> and he's blowing it up, and he has a cooler of beer next to him, and so he's clearly just planning to have the best day by himself. <laughs> Man, you I'm forget that you now. can do. Yeah, you can. You forget that. You, like when you're an adult, there's something about being an adult that I think like squeezes certain things out of you. Like I would never have thought, like on a hot day like today, it's going to get up to about 26, 27 degrees. I never would have thought about going and buying a kid's paddling pool and sitting in it. You know, there's something about being an adult that squeezes that out of you. But this guy is like, stop well saying squeezing. Stop saying squeeze adult squeezing out of you because all I can think of is sexual juices when you say that. Stop that. <laughs> You're the one that's bringing it up, but yeah. So it's he's still he's still inflate. He's been inflating for quite some time. Well, what's he using? I don't know. I don't know if he's got hooked up right. Anyway, but yeah, <laughs> as long as you can, she can. Hear maybe it. if maybe if you go down and you give him a hand, he'll let you paddle in it for a while. <gasps> Room in there for two. <laughs> Come down. With, oh, oh, margarita bath. That'd be great. Yeah, you just bathe in margarita. That's a pretty eclectic cold open. That'll do. <laughs> Got fantasy stories and a, a grown man stewing in his own juices in the, pad- the kids' paddling pool. Oh, stop saying juices. <laughs> Never. <laughs> Steve, it's your turn to uh, answer the question of what is what I'm for yeah. you listeners. Yeah, so... Um, I'm going to do this as ridiculously as we normally do it. Mm. And uh, for some reason, when I was thinking of what to say, what popped into my head was the Bargain Town radio ad. Do you remember that? Come on down to Bargain Town. That one. That one. For people outside, so before we explain what our show is, <laughs> let's explain what Bargain Town is <laughs> to, to non-Irish listeners. Um, it's a furniture store. <laughs> But it's not just a normal furniture store. It's like the dodgiest looking furniture, furniture oh, store. Oh, yeah. It's like on the keys in the city centre of Dublin. And it, it like you wouldn't be surprised if it's actually just a front for a drug ring, which it might be. I don't even know it's still open. Yeah, like most of their sofas are half stuffed with cocaine, I bet. Yeah. And that's why they cost like, why does the sofa cost 55,000 euros? Uh, don't, don't worry <laughs> about it. You you can go for this one over here. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> It's it's. I think you've also been taken over by Mattress Mick. Mattress Mick. I, I keep trying to explain Mattress Mick to people over here, and yeah, the, it's, it's kind of hard. It's a hard one to to. So before we explain Bargain Town, and before we explain <laughs> what I'm politics, explain Mattress Mick. Uh, Mattress Mick is a. He looks like Einstein 
Einstein's Irish cousin. <laughs> yeah, Einstein's less successful Irish cousin. <laughs> he's pretty successful. He owns shops and stuff. And Would you just, say he's as, as successful as Einstein, though? I mean, it's all relative, as he said. Oh, that's true. Uh, as Einstein says, uh, mattresses no, are relative. No as, no, as Mattress Mix says. Oh, that's true. <laughs> Matt, and he, he's famous because he has a big head, a mad-looking head. He sticks it on his ads. He's done mm. video ads that like Stephen Fry have retweeted. There was even a documentary about how mad he is. And mm. uh, yeah, I guess Irish people just like things that have faces on them, which is why yeah. we have election posters everywhere. So anyway, mm. what on politics? <laughs> is the bargain town mattress mick of the political information out there yeah if if like NPR and the daily and all that stuff Our that's I- like your Ikea. they're like the Ikea or the yeah. I can't think of a single other furniture store <laughs> well that's also the problem we don't all have to go to Ikea sometimes you just gotta go down to bargain town yes <laughs> come on down to bargain actually I'm gonna stick that stinger in if I can find it That's a, pretty, that's a pretty good explanation as to go. what we are. Yeah, it's only relevant to people that are in Ireland. Yeah. <laughs> but also no, it's, it's you a, good a pretty exa- comprehensive explanation as to what both Bargaintown and Mattress Make are. So everyone's fully up to speed. <laughs> I'm actually very excited because I have to go buy a bed and a mattress and I get to talk <gasps> to Mattress Make about it. Yeah. Oh, what kind of mattress are you going to get? A single bed one. Oh, so you're not replacing your... Oh, no, 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 no. This is for, uh-huh. this is for the peasants who visit me. So I'll just buy the uh, Hey, I'm one of those people. <laughs> Precisely. Which is what I'm just going to buy like a big fucking sack with some straw in it, probably. Yeah, hey, you can have this hay, the pile of hay in the corner. <laughs> Sorry, Richie. There's no room at this inn. <laughs> and I'm pregnant on a donkey. <laughs> <laughs> Jerry's guiding it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Moving swiftly on. Um, are we going to do news this week? Uh, no, because this episode has been recorded too far in advance. Because yeah. somebody is it going to go? This is going to go into cold storage because yeah. somebody's going to be in a hot place. I'm going to be. I'm going this Wednesday. The Secret Cinema show launches, and mere hours after launches, I am piecing out, getting on a plane, flying to Miami for a wedding, and then after that, I'm flying to Mexico to completely disengage from society. Are you going to be able to listen to "I'm Going to Miami" by Will Smith on loop for the entire flight? Uh, well, yes, but it'll be a com- potent combination of Will Smith's Miami, but also the greatest hits of Pitbull. What's that? Pit- <laughs> Pitbull is that bald guy from Miami who looks like a dodgy nightclub owner, uh, who's for some reason inexplicably quite famous and appears on a bunch of just generic pop songs. Like right now? You'd know him if you saw him. He wears a lot of like, yeah, he wears a lot of like white suits, open cut or white suits, sunglasses, no matter where he is. And he just looks dodgy as all hell. That's who Do- I want to be when I'm in Miami. Do you know what I realised the other day is that actually I wouldn't recognise him if I seen him. I am very out of touch with popular culture these days. Oh yeah? Yeah, well it's the internet's fault, I blame. That's What's the most pop culture thing you consume? Um, Pokemon? That's pretty no. good. Well, it's not I mean, really it's that... Not, no. It's kind of nerdy. It is, yeah. Actually, that's true. Back, yeah. in, the, back in the mid-90s you would have been. Books? Super on it. <laughs> Books? Just as a, as a construct? As a concept? Yeah. I just eat them. O- yeah. Oxygen? That's pretty Oxygen's popular. pretty mainstream. It's pretty mainstream. Okay, yeah. I'll go with oxygen. Yeah, yeah great. <laughs> nice. I'm more of a nitrogen kind of dude myself, but to each their own. Yeah, so we're not doing news. No, we're not. We're going to do something else. What are we doing? Um, do you remember back when we did Central Banks and mm-hmm. it was like, oh, we should have talked to this way earlier because it's an integral part of how countries are run? Yeah, foundational, some might say. Well, we also I also realized that the day we haven't done constitutions. <laughs> which are even more so foundational. <laughs> They're essentially the core part of all states, which some are Some would argue we should have done that before like our first episode, which is what, Trump? Yeah. The Brexit and stuff. That we should have started there. But anyway, we're again, we're the bargain town of, of political podcasts. <laughs> we get around to it, event, just like yeah. your mattress, it'll get there eventually. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Excellent. Yeah. So constitutions. Do you want to give me like just like a very basic kind of what am constitutions definition? Yeah. Well, metaphorically, you can think of them as like the foundation of a house or a big building. And it is the bones. And also I'm going to switch const- uh, metaphors now to the make it the bones of a state. Okay. So the bones it's like of a house. The bones of a house, the foundations of a person. It's mm-hmm. like... It is the core tenets that are written down when a country is being formed. Actually, I should stop saying country because it's states rather than countries because United States is a country and mm-hmm. it has its own constitution, but then each of the micro, each of the states within that union also have their own constitutions. So it doesn't have to just be a country. It can also be like the subset with just the state. Mm-hmm. In fact, you can even say that like clubs and societies and those kind of organizations of people, they have their own constitutions as well. Yeah, when we, when we were in DCU, we, we were involved in a little bit of that. Yeah, the, the student union had a constitution. And yeah. um, technically companies, the, the the articles of association and the, what is it, the, the memoranda or whatever the fucking thing is called, they're basically constitutions for, for, for businesses. So mm-hmm. it makes sense before you go ahead and doing the whole human interaction thing to lay the rules out first to stop people from halfway through the game turning around and going, uh, I don't think I want to do it this way anymore. Right. Or at least if they do do that, they have to do it by a pre, pre-prescribed. pre Is that prescribed? Is probably the same thing. Anyway, pre-prescribed <laughs> system of how they change the rules. You can't just... Ch- it's to stop people from making up shit as they go along. Yeah. Do you ever Jerry Calvin Hobbs, Hobbs when you were a kid? Uh, no, because no, it, I, I, did, I only noticed it became a thing when I was an adult. Was yeah. it around? Well, I read it both when I was a kid and an adult. And in that comic, there's a game called Calvin Ball, which is basically that as they just make it up as they go along. And it doesn't work. And it, and like, but no, yeah, it, it's it's complete and utter chaos. So, so <laughs> I think that's where the expression to play, I think it's more of an American thing to play Calvin Ball with something is just like completely make it up as you go along, which is fine for like a comic book for eight year olds, but it's, it's a different thing for a country. <laughs> I'll also, let's let's push this metaphor a little bit further. Like if you're in this, I presume you're going to be staying in a 27-story hotel in Mexico. So would you be comfortable if it had no foundations? Um, Probably not. Good. Okay. <laughs> and then using the bones metaphor, if you, yeah. would you be comfortable if your significant other had no bones? Um, I'm trying to think of practical applications for that. Like, You'd only have to take one ticket for the plane. You could fold her up and put her in your suitcase. Oh, just that's roll her true. Up. Okay, the jury's out on that one. I'll get okay. back to you on, the, on, the, on that. <laughs> I just have this image. It's like you're going to get breakfast. It's like, oh, sorry, I'm going to put you out on the on the like the the sunbed, the store it, not the not the towel. You're going to roll out your significant other, and she's just lying there, <laughs> flopping around. Help. Yeah. That's, that's really, case. That's that's gross. Actually, oh, we just. I, I hate that metaphor. Scrap yeah. it. No. Sorry, um, preambles are the big parts of the constitutions that people have the most fun with because they're basically the floaty poetic parts about what a country is supposed to be it's like the principles is or, it is it like you know remember when you're doing junior trying to leave in certain school and you'd go to write an essay and you write a big flowery intro just to build up your word count and it kind of goes on and on and it just like sets up what you're going to talk about but it's kind of pointless kind of Okay. Kinda. It's it's also like the prologue of all big blockbuster movies. It's like, oh, this is the this is the bits that we're going to talk about now, and this it's is also the opening feel... title crawl from Star Wars, but for constitutions. Uh, no, no, that's more like the history. It's right. Mm, it's yeah. It's this like, is where your lack of pop culture references really <laughs> really <laughs> works to your detriment. You should be able to whip something off for me now. Mm, okay, it's just like a poem. It's basically like the, if you if you want to turn your country into a poem, this is the bit you stick at the front. Very nice. So 
I've got, I've got a couple of them that um, I'm going to read out because they are quite nice. And I'm yeah. going to go with the original and the best, I would say. Okay. The, con- the preamble of the Constitution of the United States. And I'm going to try it in my best um, Virginian accent. Nice. We, the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice. This has turned into a JFK. Establish <laughs> justice, insecurity. In, ew, insecurity. <laughs> well, that's what happened. <laughs> Ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our prosperity. Do ordain and establish this constitution for the United States of America. That's a pretty famous one. That's pretty nice. Yeah, people yeah. like learn that off and quote it and shit. Um, the French one is quite nice too. They've gone yeah. through a couple of different iterations as they've moved from the revolution to now. So, Richie, you give that a go. Oh. Okay, which French dialect am I doing? Am I going to do like a Canadian French? Am I doing like a South France? Am I going Parisian? Polynesian. Polynesian. French. French Polynesian. I'm very, I'm very bad at accents. So, <laughs> forewarning. <clears throat> the French pipe. Pipe? Falling at the first hurdle. I knew this would be good. Solemnly procure. Okay, okay. I sound like I sound like one of the unsullied from Game of Thrones having a stroke. <laughs> <laughs> okay, in order to stop offending any French listeners or French Canadian or French Polynesian listeners, we have yeah, or uh, now former listeners, <laughs> <laughs> stop. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I'll just read normally. The French people solemnly proclaim their attachment to the rights of man and the principles of national sovereignty as defined by the Declaration of 1789. By virtue of these principles and that of self-determination of peoples, the Republic offers to overseas the territories which have expressed the will to adhere to them new institutions founded on the common ideal of liberty, equality, fraternity, and conceived for the purposes of their democratic development. They could do with a little bit more punctuation in that. Yeah. It's very well written, but fuck, it kind of goes on. Yeah, I guess it... You see, they got the, they got the best words in there, which were liberty and fraternity, which are like the foundations of the revolution that they had. Yeah. But I think that this is like the third republic, or the is this the fifth republic? I can't remember. They basically fucked up a whole bunch of times and had to reset. So I think right. this is like the, per, the this is the post world. No, actually, they've reset since World War Two. So this is like probably the fourth or fifth that they've had the rights since even the twentieth century. So ah, oh, so they've had a few they've had a few editors in. They've, yeah. they've iterated a bit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, the next one is long. Mm. It's the People's Republic of China. How long are we talking? Oh, we're talking like um, uh, two, two, uh, two movies of the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Oh my god! Like in terms of like, do you have a character count for it? Like how this preamble is one thousand one hundred and eighty words long. That's pretty fuck. That's a pretty long. It's pretty preamble-y. Pretty preamble-y. Pretty rambly preamble. Pretty, <laughs> pretty rambly preamble. And. Uh, but I will read it because it is it's worth ta- it is worth it is worth saying because China is a very important country and we need to know more about it. Of course. Um, so, but I am not going to try and do it in a Chinese accent of any variety. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> so I'm just going to go. Okay, I'm, I'm going to do my best to try and pay attention. But China is one of the countries with the longest histories in the world. The people of all nationalities in China. have... I wonder if that guy ever finished blowing up that kitty's pool. Wait. Wait, why is my voice out like a wee and reverby? Oh fuck, am I daydreaming? Hello? Echo! Hurry on down to Bargain Town! 
thank God these daydreams are all in my head and not some sort of overly edited, convoluted, stupid joke awkwardly shoehorned into a podcast. Oh, wait, looks like he's finishing up. Better pay attention. People of all nationalities, all state organs, the armed forces, all political parties and public organizations and all enter- oh God, it's and undertakings in the country must take the constitution, the basic normal conduct, and then they have a duty to uphold the dignity of the constitution and ensure its implementation. Wow, I loved how pithy and short that was, and also how easy it was to pay attention to. Um, well, at least now you know, okay? That's true. So That's don't true. don't tell me I didn't tell you about the preamble of the Chinese constitution. That's true. And I can't so, wait. I can't wait to quiz you on it on in episode seventy-seven. <laughs> oh, um, so what? 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 So that preambles out of the way. That's what preambles. About the actual constitutions themselves. So. Each of them are different, um, but they kind of follow models. So that's kind of like the models of countries that we have in the world. So there's the United States, a democratic republic, which has a presidential style system. So there's lots mm-hmm. of countries that would have copied that. As we said, mm-hmm. it was the first, so and has lasted the longest. Mm-hmm. So people have copied it. Um, you can say that like the French is kind of like a spin on that one. They have a president. They have a they have two two parliaments, and they have a little bit of federalism. Um, the Brazilian is kind of like it. The Mexicans kind of like it. All those kind of other bits. And then some people have copied the British system. Um, but we'll get onto the British Constitution later. I'm going to leave that as a surprise for the listeners. You got to keep listening to find out how interesting that is. Um, <laughs> They, it's like a parliamentary system with a head of state. In their case, it's a monarch. In Ireland's case, which like we essentially copied their system, but we have a president. So didn't bunch- you tell me they don't have a constitution? Oh, for God's sake, you're fuck! Am I that spoiler? That's the spoiler. Shit! It's invisible. Ah, fuck! I'm sorry, Steve. I'm bad at this. Damn it! I like so very clearly said I didn't want you to say it, and then you said it anyway. Oh, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, that's it. I'm gone. I'm done. I'm out of here. Bye. Is he actually gone? Oh fuck! Um, I just really scared the dogs. By oh Jesus the door Christ! <laughs> I genuinely thought you got up and went out the door. I just got up and slammed the door. Oh, you scared the shit out of me! <laughs> Fucking hell! Uh, okay, I thought the best way to explain constitutions is to go through some of the most famous ones. Yeah, let's do it. Can we start with America? Of course. Let's do it. I love so America. Where, when was it? When was it in? Because you said it's the oldest. I forgot to write that down. <laughs> 1870, it's no. 1787, I think. 1787. Yeah. So there you go. How'd you, did you know that off by heart? I, uh, I, I, okay, I'll tell you why. Um, I know it because I looked up <laughs> other things that were written in 1787, just to give a point of reference for how things date and age poorly written that long ago. Okay. So I have an example of something else that was written in 1787 that hasn't aged particularly well. So I don't know if you want to talk about this now or we want to bring it in at a later point if you're going to talk about how we, you know, constitutions change over time. I'll leave that to you. With the British constitution, we've already sprinkled enough, um, like, uh, things to come in the future. So I think you should just throw it out there now. Okay, cool. Um, so <laughs> there is a opera that was written in 1787, came out in August 1787. And the plot for it is, it's called, sorry, Inkle and Eureka. <laughs> And the plot is, Inkle, an English trader, is shipwrecked in the West Indies and survives with the help of Eureka, an Indian maiden. They fall in love. Oh, Sounds pretty good up to this point, right? Uh-huh. Okay. But when Inkle returns to civilization, he plans to sell Eureka into slavery to recover his financial losses while he marries a woman, Narcissa, who will give him the social standing he wants. Oh, well, they're being really subtle by calling this other woman Narcissa. <laughs> 
So he falls in love with this woman he meets. sells her. And then comes back to England and sells her so to, to recover his financial losses from this trip um, and also marry Narcissa, who will help him with his social standing. And that's the plot of this whole opera. Well, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily be so critical of things written so long ago just because of that. I mean, there is a lot of crap, just like there's a lot of crap now that didn't last, but it's not just the American Constitution that's lasted. Like, people still listen to Mozart's plays and shit like that and Shakespeare that's and all true. that. That's true. Anyway. But Mozart doesn't have lyrics in his shit about uh, selling his, his wife. You don't know that. <laughs> I doubt very much you know the plot details tales of the magic flute <laughs> that's very true um but it is also worth mentioning in that vein i like that- to beat people with my magic flute no. <laughs> those are the lyrics i like to beat ethnic minorities with my magical flute i am mozart um, first two i'm gonna yeah well anyway the american founders left slavery in their piece of writing from 18 from 1787 as well so you can't exactly fault that play at the time no i'm more so fall i'm more so talking about like this this play this this opera has completely disappeared into obscurity because you know it's no longer relevant and it's very problematic and it's probably kind of just shit um but the constitution is still you know being upheld and edited and that kind of thing and i'm i was just talking about like how things i want to raise the point of how things age over such a long period of time and how important it must be and how difficult it must be to try and navigate that yeah, but that, okay, we'll get, we'll, we'll talk about the problems that they had at the end because they didn't get it right the first time. But anyway, no. so the Philadelphia Convention is the part where they actually wrote the Constitution. That was like after they had won independence, they sent delegates from all the different states to get together and try and decide. And uh, James Madison was there from Virginia. He was a young mm-hmm. fellow, a very smart fellow who liked to write down lots of stuff. And he is kind of called the father of the Constitution, but it's really just because he liked to take notes during the meetings. And so that's why he actually was the one who came out with a written constitution afterwards. Right. Okay. So it was the, it was the product of a lot of sure. collective thought, but Precisely. he was the one who kind of articulated it into. But it has gotten to the point that he is known as the father of the constitution. Yeah. And he does I'm have. Sure the rest, I'm sure the rest, the ghosts of the rest of the founding fathers love that. Well, I mean, you do have to give him a bit more credit because him and Alexander Hamilton joined forces and really, really defended it because a lot of people were severely pissed off by the uh, compromise that was brought out. So you had federalists that didn't like how loose it was. And then you had anti-federalists who thought it was going to give too much power to the central federal state. So Mm -hmm. they immediately proposed a set of amendments, um, 10 amendments that was called the Bill of Rights. And that was tacked on to the end of it pretty much immediately after he came in. So you can see Mm -hmm. that even though constitutions are supposed to be for forever, people, you are able to change them. Yeah. So they immediately did that and they brought in things like um, there won't be any state religion. You can have a well-organized militia, which somehow means that you're allowed to have assault rifles. But anyway. Yeah, we uh, talked about that in the gun control episode. Um, something we also talked about before is that they they didn't really specify in the Constitution who got to decide when the different parts of it were being breached and how you would settle a dispute about that. So, oh, so there wasn't like a Supreme Court came after this. Supreme Court was there, but it didn't actually specifically say that this is the final arbiter of the Constitution. They forgot that. Right. But luckily, the Supreme Court went ahead and decided itself in Marbury versus Madison. Same Madison who became president um, afterwards. Oh. So we did talk about that before in the Supreme Court episode. So go and listen mm-hmm. to that if you want details. Mm-hmm. Um, again, it wasn't perfect because it left in... Um, the main plot point of that opera you brought, uh, slavery. So mm-hmm. they couldn't really decide how to compromise between the North and the South on slavery. They kind of just thought, oh, well, eventually it'll just go away, I guess. But unfortunately it didn't. It continued to cause more and more problems up to the point that it caused the Civil War. 
Right. And it only got settled through armed conflict rather than constitutional debates. Right. Although it is worth mentioning that there is a fantastic movie about amending constitutions called Lincoln. <laughs> yeah, you're a big fan of that movie. I love that movie. It's like, it's basically just a whole load of people standing and talking and discussing how they're supposed to get votes passed. But it, if you want to know how to pass, the, how to change the US constitution, because they still use the same system, that's it. Yeah. And it's good. So you wear a silly hat, get big sideburns and you're on your way. Precisely. And uh, go go visit hospitals where they throw lots of legs and arms into big holes. Uh, they I also, haven't seen it, so that means nothing to me. It's a Civil War movie, so there's, ah. lots, there's lots of arms and legs lying around the place. Oh, that's sad. Um, it's all, they also didn't really specify if people were allowed to leave the Union. So, uh, Like if states were able to... Secede. Secede. So that, okay. that, that question was also settled when they took a war to settle it. So... Uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, it, it looks like that no other state's going to try and willy-nilly again. Um, mm-hmm. They kind of flipped along, made a couple of little changes, but there wasn't really that many changes in the later half of the 19th century and the 20th century, up until FDR. So Franklin Delano Roosevelt, uh, fifth cousin to Teddy, was president for two terms, but then World War II came around, and he decided... Oh, that little thing. That little thing. So previously, sitting presidents had just stopped running for office after two terms because it was a Washington tradition. Washington is credited with, because again, they didn't specify in the constitution how long a president should sit. So essentially Washington could have became a monarch for life. He could have kept on serving a president for life and kept on serving until he died. And then his successor probably would have done the same. So you could have had points where there was a, a, a fellow president for 30 or 40 years. But then Washington wrote that song one last time. One last time. So, um, because he, set that precedent all the other fellows were like well that's it we've we've got a good system here let's do it but then fdr mm-hmm. didn't he was like oh well i gotta stay here in charge because nobody else can run the country during the depression and then during the war he's not really mm-hmm. criticized that much about it now and um, people were kind of pissed off at the time but people are like okay yeah turns out he was right he won the war so that's fine yeah but truman who succeeded fdr after he died in office came in and was like um let's not let that happen again so they immediately changed the constitution to legally bind presidents to only be allowed to stand for two terms and was that a difficult thing to incorporate into the constitution no it was that was a really easy one everyone was agreed and that was a that was we have to stop that from becoming a possibility in the future yeah so what's the process like when they do decide that this is something a worthy change to make the constitution how did it then go about changing it? So unlike Ireland and other places where you can have, where you have, you can only change the constitution with the will of the people through direct referendums, because mm-hmm. America was built as a representative democracy specifically, um, mm-hmm. it is done by the Congress. Um, so you can have two thirds of the lower house and two thirds of the upper house to pass it. And then okay. it goes out to the state legislators. And I think, again, it's two thirds of them or maybe three quarters have to agree to passing it for it to become a change to the Constitution. OK, there and is a president need to sign it in or is it at that point it's uh, it? I don't know, actually. I don't think the president would sign it in because it is mm. a change to the Constitution rather than a law. Right. Okay. Um, I guess maybe that's something they forgot to put in and that could turn out to be a problem in the future. <laughs> yeah. this, is the, this is the kind of problem with constitutions. If you don't specifically spell things out, it gets kind of tricky. Yeah. Um, and the American constitution is famously short and they've had to like worm their way through these things in different processes. Um, oh, and another way to change it is to have a constitutional convention again. Right. But that is probably never going to happen. So that's like the original... The original circumstances yeah. that led to the constitution. They have that written into the constitution that if somebody wants to make a change to it, you can do it again. Okay. But 
that's not going to happen. So don't know what you okay. about it. Um, some people think that it might be kind of impossible to change today. Really? Yeah. I mean, if you think about how divided American politics is, I mean, how the hell can you get two thirds of Congress to agree on fucking anything ever? Right. Yeah. Especially something as like, like revered and, you know, as integral as the Constitution. Precisely. Yeah. So, I mean, you could spend all day listing off different things that people would like to change in the American Constitution, but I can guarantee you will not find even a 50 plus one percent of people in Congress that would be willing to change it, let alone two thirds. So... It, what was the last time, what was the last change uh, made to it? 92. And for the life of me, I forgot to write down what the change was. So I will Google it. Dogs can vote. Well, of course. Dogs were finally allowed to become mayors of towns. And that's why most American towns have dog bears now. Ah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, quickly, thank you, Wikipedia. The 27th Amendment, 1992, prevents members of Congress from granting themselves pay rises during the current session. Ah, ah that's pretty clever I guess that's mm. pretty easy to pass because nobody wants to be the dick that votes against something like that yeah exactly <laughs> um, there are no, I, I want I want to pay right <laughs> me who keeps saying that <laughs> there are still lots and lots of other um, things that were passed by Congress but like didn't get doubled down either by um, whatchamacallit uh, the, the state legislators agreeing to it or never went to them or something like that there's four of them there's a congressional appointment amendment proposed in 1789 that has never been decided on <laughs> still on the table still on the table there's a titles of nobility <laughs> amendment in 1810 that would stop yeah. any US citizen from having a title of nobility from a foreign country but that's still floating around so like if you were knighted as a sir yes. by the queen or something okay yes um, Ireland has that specifically in its constitution and do you remember when so is Bob Geldof not an Irish citizen anymore. He is, because if Bob Geldof wanted to take it, um, the cabinet have to decide by a two-thirds majority to, to allow the citizen to take the title. So the cabinet had to vote on whether Bob Geldof would still be allowed to be Irish after he was yes. given the knighthood. Wow. I think what happens is that the citizen in question ex- declares that they're they're not going to revoke their Irish citizenship to take the knighthood, that they'll actually just like, um, they'll reject the knighthood if the cabinet disagrees. Okay. And it also happened another time for uh, Donald Mulligan's favourite person in the world. Uh, who's that? The murder she wrote lady whose name I... Th- oh my God, Angela Lansbury. Angela, I really hope you would just say her name. <laughs> it would have been much better. Yes. <laughs> well, Donald's got a lot of people he really likes. I went. I started going through the like, Eurovision contestants and stuff. Yeah, but like who did... Yeah, but we all know who he really likes. Yeah, Angela Lansbury, yeah. murder she wrote. Uh, re- and I'm sure other things, but I don't know. <laughs> I don't know any of them. Yeah, it's mostly just murder she wrote though. <laughs> Mm. Um, yeah, so we've, we've mentioned Ireland Constitution. We may as well move on to Ireland's Constitution. Let's do it. Let's go home. Let's go. Is this now the, is this the bargain town of, of constitutions? <laughs> no. Ours is okay, a, our Constitution is relatively okay. Great. So when, does that, when, did it, when did we get our Constitution? We first, when we became a free state after the War of Independence with the UK, um, we... We had like a constitution that was written by them and us. Mm-hmm. Um, it was quite similar to the one now, but not the same. So we had that for about 15 years until Eamon de Valera strides in and uh, says, I'm ripping this up and having a whole new one. Right. And he basically wrote the constitution himself with a bunch of bishops. Okay. I'm sure constitutional scholars are fuming about that, about other people yeah. being involved, but fuck it. That's basically how it runs. Right. Um, our Especially preamble has shit about the Holy Trinity to make it very Catholic. Right. Um, it's wanted to claim sovereignty over the 32 counties. So that included at the time Northern Ireland. Mm-hmm. And um, 
lots of other bits that was just like doubling down on Ireland's nationalism. Mm-hmm. Um, before that constitution, we didn't have a president. We had a lieutenant governor who was like the Queen's representative. So mm-hmm. he's like, fuck that, we're having a president. But he didn't go as far as to declare us a republic. He still he still stopped that. Um, so that stayed that way until the 50s when a Fine Gael Taoiseach was over in Canada and suddenly decided that Ireland's going to be a republic. He just like right. decided on his own. <laughs> what was it? Was there any particular catalyst? Was it the, the seeing their system or something no. that led to it? Or just, <laughs> no. He just woke up in the middle of the night and went, Republic! He <laughs> <laughs> threw the snort in there as well. That was good. Um, yeah. he, he was at a commemorative ceremony for King William of Orange. So this is a little known fact about Canadians. They're quite British at times. And mm. uh, they have Orange Lodges and Orange Orders to celebrate the victory of the Battle of the Boyne oh against God. Ireland's Catholics. And Did not uh, know that. He, he was at some sort of a ceremony where they were really rubbing it in his face and he got <laughs> he just went fuck this he kind of got sloshed and just said it <laughs> so Ireland became a republic that's a very Irish reaction there you go and it was it's hilarious because uh, Fianna Fáil famously where they, they came from the anti-treaty side who really wanted a republic at the end of the war of independence and like fought a civil mm-hmm. war for it but it turned out it was the pro-treaty side who were okay with a compromise that ended up being the ones to declare it because their Taoiseach went off and got drunk in Canada it's the Irish way <laughs> it's so great um, we had major changes again in the constitution uh, when Good Friday Agreement was passed in of course 98 yes. so we actually put it to the people that we should remove Ireland's claim over the territory of Northern Ireland from our constitution so like you said before this had to come through a referendum yes so that came through a referendum and we passed it um, pretty pretty strongly um, mm. we've also had referendums to add the EU into our constitution so it is actually like mm-hmm. a codified part of our country and because of that, uh, we're one of the few countries that have to have referendums every time there's an EU treaty change. Right, yes. I remember like the so, Nice Treaty and stuff. Precisely, yeah. And yeah. Uh, it's a bit of a pain in the ass for the other EU leaders because they just know that this is something that's going to be hanging over their heads. Oh, for fuck's sakes. We have to go and take this to the 4.8 million Irish and ask them what they think. And yeah. the other, what, fucking 600 million Europeans are just sitting there twiddling their fingers. <laughs> So, uh, but that's thanks to our constitution that we get that special power. Unfortunately, sometimes practically it doesn't really mean anything. So like in the example of the Nice Treaty, we said no. And they're like, yeah, and it, I know. Yeah, but really. Yeah. <laughs> so, and it just came back again, didn't it? And then same thing with Lisbon as well. We just did it. Yeah. yeah. So, um, uh, but it's, it, I, I don't really necessarily blame them for that because whenever we have these referendums, it, it, it very rarely, the discussion is actually about what the referendum is about and just becomes about like regular old national Irish politics. Right, yeah. So a lot of referendums we have recently as well is to try and undo the whole Catholic religion ethos thing that was written into our constitution. Um, yeah, we've talked about this a lot, like the, the over the last just handful of years. We've had like even just like three, just the last three, pr- three pretty big ones yeah, that are th- like kind of about distancing ourselves from that legacy. Yeah, we've had three over how many? I think five years. Three over five years that were basically just to change it. So in fairness, the abortion one was actually only added in the 80s. Yes. So I believe before that, the right to the unborn wasn't in the constitution. It was just law. And they wanted to make sure that a future government couldn't just bring in abortions. That's why they did that. But Mm. then we changed our mind and we switched it back. So we also had in the constitution because Dev seen these gays coming. He just yeah. knew what was going to happen. He's like, oh, I make, make sure I write down about the marriage between a man and a woman. Um, so we had to change that. We mm-hmm. were the only country to approve it by national referendum until the Australians. 
That's true. We were the first. We were the first because we had to, <laughs> not because yeah. we not because we did it nice, <laughs> but just because we had to. And again, yeah. we also had ridiculous divorce laws that meant um, people couldn't get divorced until the nineties. We had a referendum change that, and then the last one was just to remove reference to divorce from the constitution. So yeah. we're kind of slowly but surely becoming a normal-ish country. And so, like, the, what's the general? kind of political consensus around this approach to adapting or changing a constitution, like putting it to the people through referendums as opposed to, like, say what um, the US does. Is it generally accepted that this is a better way to do it, like through, via public vote? No, not at all. Um, you can debate okay. that until the feckin' constitutional cows come home. <laughs> There's no point in saying one system is better than another in terms of politics, that each of them right. have their own different uh, positive points and problems. Irish constitution has been changed 31 times in 82 years and eight times in the last 10 years. Seems like a lot. That's an awful lot. But we just don't have any choice because it's written into our constitution. The power, the sovereign power is with the people. So the only mm-hmm. people who can change it are the people. And we're That's the us. That's us. Hooray. Well, not you anymore because you've been away too long. That's true. You're going to get back here and live here for six months and then we'll give you the vote back. We only care about people who are sitting here right now. No, that's not me. Um, I'm, si- I'm sitting here sweating my arse off in London. <laughs> it's pretty warm here too, but it's muggy. So it's like humid. Ugh. It's gross. Ugh. I need to, get, need to get a kiddie pool. Yeah, gotta get myself a kiddie pool, margarita kiddie pool. Um, mm. Some constitutional scholars are kind of worried because the whole point about having constitutions, as we said, is to set the rules of the game for an awful long time. Mm-hmm. And if you're constantly changing and switching it around, it kind of negates that point. So what's right. the point in having all these different constitution, uh, these constitutional set rules if you're just going to go and change them whenever you feel like it willy-nilly? Um, I would give the Irish people some credence though. Right. Um, the last times we've done it, we did it slowly and thoughtfully. So all three of those um, progressive referendums that I mentioned, they came out of something called the Citizens' Assembly, yes. which was brought in a couple of years ago. And it's a random catchment of 100 citizens from the voting register that come together in a hotel in Malahide over a couple of weekends and get to decide what things to change in the Constitution. So there's the, the, the doll gets to decide um, what kind of topics to talk about. And then they listen to expert opinions and then they have a vote and they decide if they want to put it forward as a recommended change. And then it's up and to they, them. They, they publish like some literature then so you can actually see how like yeah. this random selection of people came to this decision. You can watch it. You can you, like it's it's a publicly streamed thing. So even if you're not there a voting member, you can watch the experts as they give their opinions to these different people. And then equally, once it goes, but that's that's not that doesn't mean it's automatically a referenda, a referendum and has to then go back to the doll. And the doll right. is going to debate it in the doll chamber. And then the doll is also going to debate it in like committees. So you're going to have more experts coming in. This is this is how mm. they got through the um, the abortion referendum so well. So then by it's the just time, lovely that like before it even goes to a doll debate that it's like the foundation of that debate is like a citizen's yes consi- like consideration. You know yes, what I mean? Precisely, and that is why I think the abortion referendum went as well as it did in terms yeah. of um, in terms of how the tone of it was bad in certain instances, but obviously. It's it's kind of impossible to get away from that with such a volatile political issue. Sure, but, equally, but it was it was nice to be able to refer back to the citizens' yes. assembly as like a a, a relatively unbiased and kind then of source. Afterwards, people just accepted it. Yeah. Um, you could almost say that like they're gone. There was there wasn't even a proper conservative spin against the last divorce referendum. Mm-hmm. Um, so Ours, is is this idea of a citizens' assembly like being adopted elsewhere? Like it's that seems like it would have done very well. Um, within the Brexit discussion to have a citizens' assembly. Yes, other countries do citizens' assemblies and other places for those kind of constitutional amendments, but also some people do it just for policy amendments as well. Mm. We didn't come up with the idea, but it appears that we're using it well. Great. And if only certain countries who happen to be right next door to Ireland had done the same thing. (laughs) If only. If only. 
So let's just take a little break to chat about, not chat about, we're not going to chat about it. (laughs) We'll play an ad for one of the other excellent podcasts on the Heads of Podcast Network. Once upon a time, do you enjoy fairy tales and ancient myths? Or are you someone who just enjoys being told a good story? Well, Fireside is the new Irish storytelling podcast. Every week on Fireside, I take a story from folklore or mythology, retell it, have a chat about the tale itself and about the craft, culture and history of storytelling. This isn't a stuffy academic podcast. This is about having the crack and telling a few tales. My name is Kevin C. Olahan. I am your host and your Fireside bard. Wherever you are and wherever you go, you can always join me for a story by the Fireside. Uh, who, who who should we go to next? So that's USA, that's Ireland. I think there's two very interesting ones, um, Germany and Japan. So these guys are interesting because they got their constitutions in 1948 and 1949, respectively. And do you know why those years are important? <laughs> I was going to say, I feel like something big happened just so, prior to that. Just prior to that. The old, and I'm sure it was all coincidental. The Second World War Two. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the, they, they like, so, so what was the... the I was going to say catalyst, but we know what the catalyst was, but they obviously had to make some changes after World War II. Yeah, so both of those um, countries were entirely occupied by the Allies. Um, Japan was pretty much just occupied by America, and then Germany was split between France, Britain, America on the West Germany, and the Soviets in the East. Um, mm-hmm. Unfortunately, in Germany, they decided to split that in half because the Sov- because it, the Cold War immediately started after World War II, and they couldn't make they couldn't make any any joint decisions about what to do. So the, the Soviets were like, well, we're setting up our socialist utopia on this side. And the Americans were like, okay, well, us three democratic capitalist countries are going to set up our version of mm-hmm. Germany. And they, in Germany, they had a good, like, d- deliberative system between all the different people involved. And they kind of came up with their own constitution that is pretty much the constitution that's there now. But there was a good few amendments, but it is basically... It is the basic law for the Federal Republic of Germany. And in German, I'm going to try and say it like, oh God, this is going to be hard. <laughs> Grundgesetz für die Bundesrepublik Deutschland. I just wanted to say Bundesrepublik Deutschland. <laughs> um, Such a beautiful language. So, <laughs> uh, so they, in the, in the preamble for the basic law, which is also what the constitution is called in Germany, they, they said that they wanted... They wanted Germany to look forward to being future free and united in the West German one. So this is kind of like a sly dig at what was going on in the East, that they can see a future when eventually the Soviets are going to have to pull out and they get to unify. So whenever Germany came up for unification, they just goes, oh, well, we'll just kick this in and we don't actually have to change our constitution to to, okay. to reunify them. And it worked. Yeah. Okay. Um Japan is more interesting. They didn't really write it themselves. They basically had it given to them. So, so they were, they, their hand was on the pen, but like America's hand was also on that hand. Uh, I don't, I know it's not even that they were like standing outside the room going, uh, so what about we this? And then this guy, General MacArthur, who was a pretty famous personality at the time, storms in with his uh, corncob pipe and goes, Sharp, here's your constitution, take it. <laughs> and they didn't really have a leg to stand on. They just got nuke bombed and entirely occupied. So uh, yeah. the only thing that they did manage to double down on is that they were like, okay, we know that the emperor... And the culture around him had an awful lot to do with what went bad. But you have to realize that he is such an integral part of what being Japanese is and what the Japanese nation is that please let him, please let us keep him as a ceremonial monarch. 
So they conceded that. Okay. Um, and and is ja- this like a is this the same constitution that they have now, or the yes. same basic version? Okay. They did not even the basic. They have not amended it since they brought oh, it in in nineteen forty seven. Yep. Wow. And it is quite important because the Japanese, to a large extent, I would say like ninety percent of Japanese, if you want, like quantify it, they are really, really sorry about what they did in World War Two. And sure. they see this as one of the standing principles to show that they are changed and they are not like what they were before. Okay. They actually suggested to the Americans, the Americans weren't even sure if they wanted to give Japan a constitution, but then they were like, Oh, well, we can put it in that we will forever renounce war as a sovereign right of the nation, or to use threat of or force in any way to settle international disputes. And when MacArthur heard that, he was like, yeah, okay, take Constitution. <laughs> so um, that's pretty much how he talked. <laughs> um, so they, they, they can't technically have an army. Really? They have defense forces that look an awful lot like armies. <laughs> Looks like an army, walks like an army. <laughs> but isn't an army. And uh, right. there is a bit of chat these days with the whole like, okay, well, we've kind of, we're not going to go conquering around the gaff anymore. America's are they a nuclear power? No. Okay. No, 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 no. But there probably are nukes there in American systems. Right. Okay. America still has an awful lot of military bases in Japan. Um, mm. And the reasons are because of China. Okay. So China is rising. China is now the, just the second power in the world. Japan is quite afraid of them. They don't want to get bullied by them. Mm. So some people in Japan are wondering, should we take a leap, amend the constitution to allow us to have a proper army? Okay. And I have no idea if that is going to happen or not because I don't know enough about Japan. So I'm not going to right. guess. That, that is an interesting one to keep an eye on. Yes, though, it is. Like for, a future, for a future episode. There wo- it is worth mentioning that they did take some slightly constitutional changey steps recently. Remember we mentioned before that the emperor of Japan was really tired and wanted to retire. Yeah. But he couldn't because it says he can't, because it is, it's not in the constitution. And then also <laughs> he can't actually ask them to change policy because it, that is in the constitution. And right. he just like made a speech saying, I'm so sleepy. I'm so, I'm so, I'm so sleepy. You guys. I'm so tired. It's so hard. I just, oh, I just want to ret- go, go be a gardener. Um, <laughs> they listened and they did it. And they, they changed the law, not the constitution to allow him to retire because they didn't actually okay. have to change the constitution. So maybe they are starting to open up to the idea of some changes and we could see a Japanese army with the Japanese army logo on it, as opposed to like, not an army on the side of a tank. Yeah. <laughs> not a tank. <laughs> These are the Japanese defense friends. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds really nice. <laughs> Japanese defense friends. Um, let's briefly mention countries that just have constitutions as token pieces of paper. <laughs> Is this going to be a Russia story? This is a Russia story, but it's not just Russia. There are quite a few of them out there. Um, Badly, not badly organized because they're organized in their own way, but like they kind of... Constitutionally speaking. Constitutionally speaking. So Russia, whenever the Soviet Union fell, a lot of Americans went over and tried to help them to build themselves up as a liberal democratic country. And they have a nice constitution. It's very lovely, very shiny. And up until about the 90, the end of the 90s, the 2000s, when this dude Putin came in, they thought it was working. Mm-hmm. And even when Putin came in, um, he retired after his first two terms as president and became prime minister. And people were like, oh, well, maybe this is working. But then he changed the constitution so that after one term of a token president, he could come back in and rule again. Yeah. And I think he has changed the constitution since to allow himself to continue his rule. So he doesn't give a shit about any Washington precedents. <laughs> No, it doesn't seem to be he the case. He is a gangster authoritarian running a gangster authoritarian state and their constitution is not worth the piece of paper it's written on. It is just no. being flouted. I mean, they, they have... He's just, he's just like using it as a napkin when he's eating barbecue ribs. Pretty much. <laughs> Naked. 
or topless anyway with camo pants on so there are other like I mean I'm sure North Korea has a constitution but maybe they follow it quite strictly I'm not sure yeah <laughs> there's other places in the world where constitutions are there but are just pretty flimsy and it's not really worth using them um yeah. what about good constitutions though well here's here's let's do some briefly noted constitutions um do you remember yeah. back when we went to record with Sam about pirates yeah I love that episode did I tell you I ran into Sam recently oh yeah yeah he came into my office turns out he's friends with my CEO and That's he's going to come in and basically what the the talk he, he did with us on the on the podcast about pirates he's going to give that to the to my company cool. which is really nice yeah does this mean you guys are not going to pay for the rights to the movies anymore or something like that <laughs> It's quite yeah mutiny. <laughs> um, he had a very lovely wife from Mexico, and I think it came up in brief conversation with her before the thing that they have a really good constitution. Yeah, she seemed really proud of it. Um, in but she also mentioned that it's just there on paper; <laughs> they don't really use it that much in terms of mm. like this part. So I decided to go off and find out why it was such a good constitution, and it turns out that they were the first country in 1917 to include social rights in their constitution. Wow. So they so were, like, like, give me examples. Um, they restricted the power of the Catholic Church over land control and education to try and make sure wow. that people could have secular education. Because the Catholic Church was essentially a big gangster institution in Mexico. And yeah, I was going to say, that seems like a remarkably progressive decision to make back then. There was a lot of war, um, a lot of civil war to try and fight against the power of um, Mexico City and the Catholic Church. So this was like a compromise constitution in 1917. Right. They also included provisions for land reforms and empowerment of the labor sector. And it was such a good constitution that the Weimar Republic of Germany um, briefly lived, peace out, great, great constitution too, in 1919, kind of copied it. Cool. But then the Mexicans kind of slid into their own system and ignored it an awful lot. And okay. Weimar Germany lasted until this dude called Hitler turned up. Um, yeah. There's also worth mentioning Norway has the second oldest constitution from the early 19th century. Mm-hmm. And is that still this, is it, how's that been Yeah, it's still, it's still the same constitution. Same? Um, so I don't know if you know, but Norway used to basically be a Swedish colony. Really? Yeah, it was owned by Sweden and they broke oh, away. Oh, yes. Marcus told me this. They, Sorry, my Swedish friend. <laughs> well, we used to own those guys. <laughs> yeah, I think that's actually how it came up. <laughs> they broke away. Um, I think a prince of, of Sweden became a king of Norway or some shit like that. I don't. I didn't really look into it. Um, and they wrote their own constitution and it kind of got copied by lots of the constitutional monarchies in Europe. So Belgium, Netherlands, Denmark, those kind of places, probably Sweden. Um, but... I would like to point out that it's a big pile of shit because it includes monarchies. So fuck them. <laughs> and we all know how you feel about monarchies. Mm. Love them. Uh, the right to bear arms is in five different constitutions. Wait, okay, America. Yeah. Where else? Yes. Russia? No. Uh, I don't know. Guatemala, Haiti, Iran, Mexico, and America. Wow. Yeah. And to be honest, a well-organized militia is not... A right to hold the machine gun. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> I hope Guatemala says, and you can buy this really big badass gun, and it's so cool, and it's totally fine. That's article. That's verbatim how it's written in the Constitution. Article twenty-two point five. <laughs> yeah. uh, Guns are totally dope. Totes dope. They're so cool. Pew pew pew. And <laughs> um, the EU tried to make themselves a constitution to give to their citizens. That would be like kind of like the American federal one, sit on top of the states ones. Right. It totally flopped. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> uh, what do you mean? Yeah, I bet. Why do I, it just seems like such a tricky thing to do. It's so many different disparate, like I know it's not, it's not necessarily a, like a, a federal system, but 
like there's so many different countries with different their own constitutions how do you make one universal thing that just plugs into everything so smoothly it is really a federal system though we're just kidding ourselves pretending that it's not like there's a federal government in Brussels that yeah. makes decisions that gets imposed upon us just like Washington and the rest of the states but like ide- ideologically it doesn't fe- feel that yeah, way yeah, we're just, and so yeah. I think that like the idea of like putting a, a constitution on top of everything ideologically would shift that way and I don't think a lot of people would be super happy about that and again practically I don't see how it could plug in so smoothly to everything well basically when it flopped in votes in the Netherlands and France they basically just scribbled off the constitution from the top of the paper and wrote down Lisbon Treaty so you have it <laughs> that's true okay so fuck you so everything <laughs> under the name yeah. I'm not saying I disagree with it I'm just saying that I can see the, the practical difficulties I think it would be a good idea but the practical difficulties of getting it about would be too difficult. Right. Um, maybe in the future we can have versions of like, what's the French for Madison? Madison? And, I assume so, yes. Uh, and then like a a, a, German, a Dutch Alexander Hamilton or whatever. <laughs> and then they can get together and write some constitution for the new Europe. Actually, Pref- preferably in a musical form. Yes. And uh, we should make it woke. So it's Alexandra Hamilton. Oh, nice. Hamilton. Nice. Um, so woke. We should ask for some money. Yeah, please. Money, pl- money, please. Money, please. Uh, uh, Jared pointed out to me in a in a, a Facebook message that um, every time we go to say Kofi, uh, we I say it differently every time. <laughs> I still don't know which is the right one. So Kofi or Kofi? Answer me now. Kofi. Kofi. Okay. Yes. Kofi. Buy me in, a- yes. But then I, my brain goes to Kofi, like finance, fi, because it's money. Yeah. Anyway, whatampolitics.com forward slash beer. Uh, there's a link there that uh, where you can buy us. Just chuck us a couple of quid to buy us a beer. It goes a long way to like keeping us motivated and helping us keep the lights on the podcast. Um, and we really appreciate it when people do buy us a beer. It's very yeah. nice. And but it's not just you don't get it's not for nothing. You get something out of it. You do. You get a drunken episode of us talking about playing a game, which is actually fucking. We're not talking about playing a game. We actually play a we game. Play it. a game. Yeah, I I drunkenly try and um, run a government through yeah. a, a computer game video simulator thing. Doesn't go well. Uh, well. It depends on your definition of well. I didn't have a constitution. Maybe that's where I felt. Well, like. you would have had because you were a prime minister assuming power in a country with a constitution. Oh, that's true. <laughs> maybe maybe I should maybe I should have edited it so those nuns didn't. Um, actually, no, I won't say what the nuns did because <laughs> that's a spoiler. <laughs> it involves nuns, is all we're going to say. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So that's the so that's the money please part. So the reason we're doing this episode, mm-hmm. why? Tell me about. There's it. a country right beside Ireland that has some problems. Which one? Iceland. <gasps> no, that's not true. the United <laughs> Ireland. Two, the sequel to Ireland. It's a smaller <laughs> island off the west coast. We took over the Isle of Man and named it Ireland Two. <laughs> the United. It's called Little Ireland. <laughs> It's like Mini Me from from Austin Powers. <laughs> it looks just like us, but super small. No, you're it's not. Because we're so fucking you. big, anyway. Yeah, I see. We're talking about the UK, the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland. What? What about them? They don't have a constitution. <gasps> they don't have a fucking constitution. They like you can go and do a, a, a college course in the British constitutional whatever, but it doesn't have mm. a fucking constitution. Like, take out a British constitution and show it to me. Uh. There. What is it? It's, uh, what is it actually? I'm looking at it. Uh, oh, it's actually, you know what it is? It's, it's the, it's a fan, it's a, it's a piece of fan mail. <laughs> you got fan mail? Yeah. 
Remember when we got the paintings? Oh yeah, we, we both got lovely cards. It's the card we got. Oh yeah. Anyway, sorry. That's why this is the first thing I pulled out. Anyway, no, yes, there is no constitution. I thought that people were like sending you other letters that I didn't know about, and you're keeping them secret from me. Oh, that'd be so funny. That'd be awful. <laughs> <laughs> and my room is just filled with letters, and you're like, "Hey, Daddy." <laughs> Dear what on politics, only Richie. <laughs> oh, anyway. <laughs> they You didn't pull out the British Constitution because they don't fucking have one. They don't have a no. Constitution. Why don't they have one? I don't know, really. They just never... Well, I do know. Okay, so they've had the same system for an awful long time, just with slight amendments. They come to... Whenever they have problems, they come to compromises. The The whole thing about having constitutions was really started by the Americans. So the la- and other countries that come to have constitutions really ha- usually have some sort of big, big change, like a rebellion or something, like a rebellion or an independence movement or a civil war or something. Right. And um, the ones I guess it's it's worth like those those constitutional monarchies in Europe we mentioned they didn't they just adapted the constitutional monarchies. But everywhere else, Ireland, Mexico, South Africa, India, keep naming countries, they mm-hmm. all came across constitutions after they had a big fuck off problem yeah um the uk did have something like that when they had the civil war where cromwell and all that crap happened but and they chopped off a head the king of it they chopped off the head of a king but then changed their minds after cromwell died and got the king's son back in they that was before the american constitution vogue was in vogue so they didn't really do it then right so people point to things like the liberal reforms in the 18th, the middle of the 19th century, you have like some other bits that were done. You have the talk about Irish independence, all that crack. And like the reforms of the House of Lords, that all they say counts as the British constitution. And and if you write it out, like you can find it, but you can't because they're constantly fucking referencing other things and it causes so much problems. Like what kind of problems? <sighs> like Brexit. <laughs> oh yeah, that. <laughs> Not even just like Brexit because like you, obviously you could have a, a vote on Brexit, but the some idiot prime minister has the power to call a random referendum about leaving the European Union without an idea about what to do if it passes. Because they don't have that foundation. Exactly. So in the Irish constitution, it says you have to have the thing spelled out before you can just give it to the people. Yeah. They don't have that in the British constitution. So he was able to get away with that. And then equally now, you have a point where there's a parliament that doesn't know what to do because the parliament doesn't want to do it on either way and they can't they can't really come to a compromise. So you had this fucking him and hon for the last two years with Theresa May desperately trying to get it and it just, and it doesn't even, like, she can't, even though she loses so catastrophically time and time again, it took so long to even get rid of her because there's no mechanism that you can just trigger that says when a government loses a vote by X amount, they have to quit. Mm-hmm. Which they might have had if they actually sat down and thought about writing a constitution. Yeah, and put those <sighs> bones in place. So, I mean... I'm Do you think they ever will? No. Kind of like, no. No, they won't. <laughs> okay. They just, they, they call they themselves. just like lean on their precedents and stuff. Yes. And, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. They call themselves the the original parliament or whatever the fuck it is. The father of all parliaments. The mother of all, I think it's the mother of all parliaments because for some reason parliaments are female. Right. Um, ironically. <laughs> <laughs> um, there was an awful lot of changes back in the 90s and zero. So we didn't really have any changes up until around... Tony Blair swooped in and he's like, I'm going to give devolved powers to England, not England, sorry, to Wales and Scotland. And mm-hmm. I don't really give a shit about the consequences. And then, and that's causing a lot of problems now where you have Scotland that voted 64% to stay versus England that voted whatever to leave. And they're, they're like, essentially that could break up the union of, of, of Great Britain and Northern Ireland because 
what other things do they have to do? There's no compromise system there. Mm. And it's caused a lot of problems since then because the English are like, well, why do we have to spend so much time debating all the, the consequences of the United Kingdom in the Westminster when Scotland gets to have their own little parliament to discuss their intricate details? Are we being forgotten about? It's, yeah, it's, they didn't think about it properly. In fact, no. even the day, like in Tony Blair's memoirs, he wrote down, oh, I came up with this great idea for parliaments, but then I also talked to the English film industry and that was great. <laughs> so you can see how much time and thought he put into it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, got, I got a cameo in a new gangster movie. The, the next big change to constitutional law in the UK was when the Lib Dems came into power in a coalition with the Tories. Mm-hmm. They didn't want, so at, before that, a prime minister had the right to go and call an election whenever he felt like it. They didn't like that idea because that was like, oh, well, you guys could just fuck off and call an election whenever you feel like it. And we'll just be sit there with our dicks hanging in the wind if your poll numbers are better. So they said, um, we have to bring in this thing called the Fixed Term Parliaments Act, which says, we've talked about it before, I think, um, during the, the British election episodes. Um, without a two thirds majority of parliaments, um, you can't just randomly have an election whenever you want. It has to be every five years. Right. And uh, that is part of the reasons that caused a lot of problems with Theresa May. Um, she, there was no real way to get rid of her because she was locked in power. Right. And if they had thought about it properly, as opposed <laughs> to just like throwing in this little willy nilly law to do with the, the politics of the day, they wouldn't have had that problem. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, it's just a mess, a mess, a, a mess, mess. mess. And it, I honestly have no idea what's going to happen now. So you have all these candidates for the next prime minister, the leader of the conservative party who are telling people that they're definitely not going to have a second referendum to decide the Brexit question. And they're definitely not going to have a general election to change the parliament to decide the Brexit question. Mm -hmm. But they're saying all this without that foundation that we keep talking about. Yeah. But then like, okay, so what's going to be the consequences? They're like, oh, well, we might do a no deal on the 31st of October. But as it stands, the parliament that's there won't let that happen. Right. So you could have parliament saying we're not Brexiting and the executive saying we're Brexiting. So what the fuck happens then? No one knows. No one knows because they haven't written it down. (laughs) They dev, they're a big floppy corpse with no bones. (laughs) It's a beautiful metaphor. Well, they're not a corpse because they're still alive, but you know, they're pretty sickly and no bones (laughs) flopping around the place. Like a half deflated blow up doll. Yeah. Just like Boris Johnson's face. Yeah, exactly. One of my favorite, um, uh, discussions about constitutions. Do you remember that episode of The West Wing where is it Sam Lloyd, the guy who plays Doc Brown from Back to mm, the Future? Yeah. He's like a constitutional expert, comes in and like mm. has a debate and tries to help. Is it Belarus? I think it might have been in uh, Mac Makiopistan. Yeah. Oh, yeah. To help them like write their um, constitution. Yeah. And it's like, it's a lovely little kind of discussion and back and forth about the importance and power of a constitution. Yeah. I, th- I think he says something along the lines of like, I think Toby says to him, you have until Friday to to like get these guys to write a set of laws, and then Sam Lloyd says it's like it's not a set of laws; it's a sense of the rule of law, mm. which is like more impo- which is more important than like the actual words themselves. It's more important than the words themselves that they're writing is the the discussion and the debate and the process of arriving at those words, and what a sense of that rule of law is, because that's then what will like help them and guide them as they try and adapt the constitution, which I thought was very poetic and nice fucking brilliant I wonder isn't it people should just go and watch the West Wing instead of listening to this episode I'm really glad <laughs> yeah. that you said at the end <laughs> yeah exactly exactly I think there's, there's probably you can probably YouTube just that one section and get no 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 just listen to this episode again I mean sorry yes the West Wing doesn't exist it's gone, it's gone. <laughs> there's no West Wing <laughs> there's no West Wing but that was great Steve it was a great episode thank you thank you thank you for that
Um, I'm, I am. It doesn't make me feel better about the country I'm living in. Yeah, as, as do many of the conversations we have on this podcast. Well, you know, you always know that you can go and move to Norway. That's true. That's true. Or any of the other like good places you list. I have them all written down here. So <laughs> <laughs> escape plan. This is my escape plan, as defined by Steve in our podcast. Um, right. But that's so, it. I think we're we're running a little bit long. So let's wrap things up. Like us, like us. Yeah, like us. Just like not only like in terms of podcasts, but just like as people. Yeah, it's very good. We're obviously um, we're obviously putting ourselves out there because we have like some secu- self security issues. So like, <laughs> absolutely validate us, validate us, tell us that we're cool. <laughs> Send Please. me some fucking fan mail. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so yeah, subscribe, review us on iTunes. I know every podcast says it, and you, you kind of tend to tune it out because every podcast says it, but it really does help. Don't iTunes that out. Yeah. Oh, look at that. Uh, that's why we're that. worth it. That's 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 why you come here. And yeah, tell a friend. Follow us on, at Juan Politics on Instagram and on Twitter and Politics at gmail.com. Oh, uh, <laughs> um, I might be working on a little something. This is the thing we talked about, Steve, before mm-hmm. the episode. Um, if people want to email us or tweet at us or Instagram us, what their political anxieties are. Like, what are you in this fear of politics? What makes you the most anxious? Yeah. You could just let me know that. We're going to work on something, I think. Um, just assume uh, that we already have Brexit and Trump and think of something else. Yeah, or if you've got a very specific articulation yeah. of those yeah. anxieties. Yeah. Um, but just, yeah, anything pertaining to politics that makes you anxious, let us know. We've got a little something in the works. Are you freaked out by Donald Trump's squint? Does that, yeah. does that, does yeah. that keep you up at night? Yeah, or like the, the, this, the shifting hue values when you look at his face. Oh, so strange. It's very unsettling. Very unsettling. Uh, but yeah, anything like that at all. Please let us know. Okay, Richie. Is that it's it? time for you to go off and enjoy that little paddle pool. Yay! All right, goodbye. Bye. Here I come, man. <laughs> this has been a production of the Headstuff Podcast Network.